Growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. To be mocked, to be made fun of, the little laughter and stuff, everybody knows that you're wrong. Nobody uh, enjoys that. Have you ever had someone make fun of you for something? I guess most of us have probably experienced something like that before. Being mocked or joked about, it's not fun to have someone make fun of you or mock you for something. But have you ever had someone make fun of your belief in Jesus? There have always been mockers. There have always been those who have rejected, ridiculed, made fun of God, God's Word, God's Son, God's people. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. In our series, Building on the Basics, as we worked our way through the New Testament book of James, Pastor Clay has discussed the basic of faith. Today, we reach another milestone in our series as we come to the end of our time in First and Second Peter and our look at the basic of hope. Peter closes out his second letter to the church with something to say about mockers. As we move toward the latter days, that there will be an increased number of mockers, an increased percentage of the population of those who ridicule and make fun of this whole Jesus, this whole following, believing in God, the whole thing. Peter says that in the last days, there will be those who make fun of our belief, specifically because the return of Jesus Christ has been promised by the church since its earliest days. And since he hasn't returned yet, they will make a joke out of the whole thing. Today, we're going to see the mistakes they make with their mocking and what fundamentals should be built into our lives as believers, whether people make fun of us or not. We're glad you've joined us for today's message. Now, here's Pastor Clay. been made fun of, I'll, I'll take that laughter to be an affir- the affirmative. You ever, you ever been made fun of? You ever, you ever been mocked for something? You know what I'm saying? I got my new uh, super duper bionic uh, brace. I've had it for a couple weeks now, and I can actually uh, run a little bit, but, uh, but if I tried to run across straight stage, y'all would make fun of me, so uh, I'm not going to do that because <laughs> it looks a little funny still at this point. When my oldest son our oldest son, uh, J.C., when he was in fifth grade, uh, in, his, in his English class, of all things, uh, somehow they got into a discussion about, um, about evolution. And uh, my son uh, said to the teacher, I don't, I don't believe in that. I believe God created the, the world. And uh, his English teacher uh, looked at him with this just uh, look of unbelief and said, everybody knows that evolution is true. Now, obviously, uh, we do know, everybody knows that uh, microevolution is, is true. There's not a scientific message today. Everybody knows that, micro, everybody knows that there's adaptation within a species and, and all of that sort of thing. That doesn't violate uh, any principle of Scripture or anything else like that. But, but the idea of one species changing into another species uh, then, then we'd get into a whole different issue. But it was the fact that, uh, that his English teacher looks and, and, and basically mocked him. And, of course, there's, you know, the, the little laughter and stuff from the other kids. Everybody knows that you're wrong is essentially what it's saying. To be mocked, to be made fun of, nobody uh, enjoys that. I, at least I don't think so. If you brought a copy of God's Word with you today, would you open it to 2 Peter chapter 3? Because we're going to look at a passage of Scripture, uh, the last passage of Scripture that the Apostle Peter wrote. We're going to look at that passage of Scripture and, and uh, 
time permitting, we're going to look at the entire chapter. And in that chapter there, as you will read in just a moment, uh, there is uh, a prediction by Peter of mockers that will mock specifically um, an event that uh, is predicted to come in, in Scripture. But, uh, but it's that whole idea of mocking. When Peter has something to say about that, has something to say about the mockers, and he has something to say uh, to those of us who may be here and may be believers uh, as a result of, of what he has to say, how that should impact our lives. Second Peter, chapter 3, this is it. Peter's winding up. This, this is the last recorded uh, information letter that we have uh, from Peter. So I want you to, to and I'll try and point some of this out, but I want you to particularly pay attention to what he has to say because, because he knows, and I'll mention this, he knows that this is it, that, he, that it's close to the end for him, apparently, uh, when he writes this last, so these are his closing words. Second Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, this is now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you, in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of the water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. As also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures, to their own destruction. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard, 
so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen and amen. It's a lot, I know. It's 18 verses in there. Uh, Peter has a lot uh, to say, and uh, we're going to try and break it down as quickly as we can uh, this morning. So uh, I encourage you, if you know, Put your listening ears on as we walk through some of this and give some serious consideration to what we are talking about and how, what its implications are uh, for your life and perhaps what its Im- implications are for people that you may uh, know. We'll start with this uh, idea this morning. I want to talk about the mistakes of the mockers. Uh, it's clear uh, as Peter opens up this uh, letter that, uh, that he's wind his, winding this thing up. And we know actually from chapter 1, verse 14 of his second letter, that God has apparently revealed to him that, uh, that, his, that, that his end, his, his departure from this place is not far off. And so I think it's not a stretch to, as you read that text, I, I think it's not a stretch to, to, uh, to sense an urgency in Peter's uh, words as he writes this. I know he's writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but, but there's a sense of urgency in his voice. And why, why wouldn't there be, right? I mean, uh, if, if you knew that your uh, time were, were short and were, were coming to an end pretty uh, shortly, wouldn't you uh, think that, that, that you'd want to write something if you're writing to those that you care about, if you're writing to those that you love? Wouldn't you want to say something that's going to impact their lives? Wouldn't you want to say something that hopefully is beneficial to them for the rest of their lives? So it, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of natural that he would have this, this sense of urgency about it because he's not long for this world. His departure is at hand. Listen. I don't, I don't mean to rain on anybody's parade uh, today and, and don't want to uh, bum you out if the thought of this bums you out. But, but can I just say this to every one of us in, in this room or everyone watching this message? Your departure from this world is not far off either. Ten more years, twenty more years, sixty more years. Can I say this to you? It goes by in the blink of an eye. And Scripture says that after that to come is the judgment. And I say that to say this to you this morning. Whatever it is that you, that you want to say to those you care about, whatever it is you need to say to those you care about, say it. Say it. Don't, don't wait for another time or another opportunity. Tell, tell the people that you love. Tell them you love them. Say it to them. Say it to them. You can't say it too much. If you have, you have friends, you have family members, you have people that you care about that, that need to hear the message of Jesus... Say it to them. Be bold enough to to share what's on your heart. Speak truth into their lives. Because I can promise you this. Listen to me. Nobody will come to the end of their days and say, Wow, I I just told those people I love them way too much. Nobody will do that. Nobody will come to the end of their days and say, Well, I I just shouldn't have shared Jesus as much as as I did. I'm afraid we'll come to the end of our days and it'll be just the opposite. Man, I I wish I'd have taken this opportunity. I wish I'd I'd have taken that opportunity. I wish I'd have spoken this into that person's life. I wish I'd told this person how much they meant to me. I I just kind of took it uh, for granted. So Peter's writing his last letter and he opens with this prediction uh, about uh, about the end times. And he says in in verse 3, Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking. 
Now, it can be said that, that there have always been mockers, and that is certainly true. There have always been those who uh, have uh, rejected, ridiculed, made fun of God, God's Word, God's Son, God's people. There have always been. But Peter seems to indicate that as we move toward the latter days, that there will be an increased number of mockers, an increased uh, perhaps a percentage of the population of those who ridicule and make fun of this, of this whole thing, this whole Jesus, this whole following, believing in God, the whole thing. That, will, that, that there'll be an increase in that in the last days. Now, I, I, I'm not, you know, I, I think that you could clearly, I don't think anybody would argue that we certainly have seen that in the culture in which we live uh, today. Other parts of the world, maybe not as much. Other parts of the world, there have been great revivals uh, going on. But certainly within our culture, uh, in the western part of the world, and specifically in the United States, we certainly have seen an increase in, in the mocking, in the ridicule, in the making fun of. There has been a rise in what I refer to, or I think what is referred to as, as militant atheism. Do you all know what, what that term means, militant atheism? Uh, in other words, 50 years ago, in this country, only 50 years ago, and that's, believe me, a very short period of time. Uh, only 50 years ago, obviously, the percentage of people that would identify as atheist would be much smaller than it is today. It's still a small percentage uh, when you take the whole thing, but, but it's much larger today than it was 50 years ago. 50 years ago, you had a much smaller percentage, and among those 50 years ago who would have identified as atheistic, non belief in God, that if you had asked them about it or if you had approached them about, um, hey, I'd like to invite you to my church or, hey, has anybody ever told you about Jesus and what he's done? If you approached someone who had an, uh, an atheistic perspective, the vast majority of them would have said, hey, you know, no thanks. Uh, it's just, it's not for me. I'm, I'm not into that. And that would have been the end of it. That would have been the, the, the perspective of the largest percentage of people that identified as atheistic, say, 50 years ago. Today you see a, a growing increase in the number of people who see belief in God, not, not only as just something that they don't want to believe in, but see belief in God as actually the reason or the root for the problems that we have in the world today. They, they honestly uh, do. And they, and they would say, if we could just rid the world of the whole idea of God, and those that, that believe in this whole idea of God, if we could just rid the world of all of that stuff, then we could all get along. We'd all have, you know, wouldn't have to be fighting over different beliefs and religious wars and all this kind of stuff. If we could just rid the world of all of this, uh, we could all just, just get along. Now, if I am correct, not all of you hold to this view, but if I am correct about a pre-tribulational rapture of the church, then they will get an opportunity to see what the world is like uh, without any godly influence. You can read about it in the book of Revelation. But in any event, if we can just get rid of all of that, then the world, it's militant atheism. You're seeing a, a rise in that. And so Peter says, in the last days, these mockers will come and they will come mocking. So what, what I want to do is just point out a few of the mistakes of the mockers that they seem to be, that they seem to make. And, uh, and then what that means uh, for us. So uh, let's start with the f first one. The source of their mocking is their own lusts. First mistake they make, the source of their mocking is their own lust. Peter writes uh, in the uh, latter part of verse uh, 3, and he says they're following after their own lusts. In other words, 
in the end, what this really is about, what he indicates is, is what you'll find with this rise of, of uh, mockers and rejection of, of the gospel and ridiculing and all this, what, what this really is about is the fleshly desires that people have to follow their own way, to do their own thing, to live the way they want, to, to, to live it with who they want and how they want without any God telling them what they shouldn't do and, and without any people who follow God trying to, to warn them that they shouldn't do it. It is about my own, a, a person's own fleshly desires to, to be who they want to be, live the way they want to live and do what they want to do without any consideration for whether there actually is a God that, that we are accountable for, right? Book of Hebrews says the point in a man wants to die after this, the judgment, right? So either that's true or that's not. And, and if, it, if it's true, then, then all of us are accountable for our lives and the way we conduct our lives and, and, and every moment of our lives and, and all that kind of stuff. But the mockers are saying, no, this, this, I don't want to have anything to do with this. I want to live my life. I want to do it the way I want to do it. Y'all, ever, y'all know anybody like that? Maybe you've been that way. I've been that way in my life. I live my life my way. Do my thing. Uh, however I want to act, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's just their own lusts. And Peter says, you at least need to call it for what it is. You need to recognize that it's really about flesh. It's really about you and what you want. The second mistake that they make is the basis of their mocking, which is, well, Jesus had not returned. That, that's, the, that's the primary, or that's what they, at least in, in Peter's prediction, that's what they're focusing on, that, that Jesus has not returned. In uh, uh, verse uh, 4, it says, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Hey, where's this Jesus y'all keep talking about? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, the, the died, meaning, meaning since the beginning, the, could be their early church fathers, the Jewish cult, whatever the case is. But, you know, in other words, they're saying years have passed. Years have passed. For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. Hey, where, where's this whole, this whole Jesus thing you're talking about? Y'all been talking about it, talking about it? Listen, uh, that, that statement that they make there, uh, uh, tells us, one of the things that it tells us is that from the earliest days of the church, you know, the church's birth, uh, Jesus rises from the grave and, he, and, and he, he tells them, gives them assignment, he goes back to heaven, the church's birth. What this tells us is that from the earliest days of the church, the church believed in the literal, physical, bodily return of Jesus Christ. They were expecting him to come back. They were, they were looking for it, and they apparently were not afraid to share it with whoever and however and whenever uh, they could. And why shouldn't they believe this? Look at Acts uh, chapter 1. Maybe you've probably read this before. After he said this, this, this is uh, uh, Jesus has just gone back up into heaven. But after, he, after he said this, they were watching. Jesus lifted up. He was lifted up, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And as he was going, they were looking into the sky. This is the original disciples. You know, they're, Jesus is leaving. It's a pretty cool way to depart. And they're watching him. As he was going, they were looking into the sky. Suddenly, two men wearing white clothes stood beside them, uh, clearly angelic messengers. They said, men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking into the sky? Jesus, whom you saw taken up from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you saw him go. Right? So they're, they're like, cool. 
Jesus is coming back. This sounds really good. Listen, the Apostle Paul, uh, he, he writes that. So he uses this all the time as a source of encouragement in, uh, thanks, Titus uh, yeah, chapter 2. He says, uh, Paul says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. It trains us to reject godless ways and worldly desires and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in, this, in the present age. Watch this. As we wait for the happy fulfillment of our hope in the glorious, what's that word? appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul says the same thing. He says, man, this, this is our hope. This is the glorious hope that we have, is that, is that he's, he's not just left us to it. Well, you know, y'all manage best you can. That he's actually empowering us, and he's actually coming back again sometime. So from the very earliest days, the church is saying, hey, he's coming back. He's coming back. Y'all better get ready. He's coming back. And the, the, uh, the mockers take this blessed hope that, we ha- that all of us have, and they turn it into a punchline for a joke. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus coming back. Ooh, we're so scared. Right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the I- idea. It was a mistake that they make. Now, I'll get to the, the reason for his delay in just a moment, but, but it, that's, the, that's the, the source of their, their mocking. They just, that, that's the Bottom line is what it is. Well, you keep saying Jesus is coming back. We hadn't seen him. Now listen, can I say this? The, the people in that, in that day, just like people here today, none of us know exactly when Jesus Christ is going to return, right? I don't, I don't think any of y'all know that, do you? Anybody have the inside? I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll wait if there's somebody has got that one. Because I'd love to have it. I would love to have that one. But, but none of us know exactly when it is. They didn't, they didn't know when it would be. But here's what they did. I I highly suspect that they believed that it would be during their lifetime. Right? I I, I don't think there's any question that they believed it would be during their lifetime. And somebody say, well, they were wrong. Okay, they may have been wrong about the, the, the when it would be, but they absolutely were not wrong to live their lives that way. To live as if it could be today is a great way to live life, ladies and gentlemen. To live in the reality that Jesus Christ could return today. How should that impact my life? Okay, and then the third uh, mistake that they made uh, was the problem with their mocking. They fail to understand. They just don't get it. And I want you to see what it is that they fail to understand. There, there, There are several things that they fail to understand. The first thing that they fail to understand, uh, it says God's anger is shown from heaven against all the evil and wrong things people do. By their own lives, they hide the truth. God shows his anger because some of the knowledge of him has been made clear to them. This is, this is Paul's explanation. I want you to see how much it sounds like Peter's. Uh, I think I used this this past week in my pastor's perspective. Yes, God has shown himself to them. Uh, the, the, there are things about him that people cannot see, his eternal power and all the things that make him God. But since the beginning of the world, those things have been easy to understand by what God has made, right? Paul's saying, listen, if, if, if they miss this, it's not because God is hiding it from them. It's not because he didn't want people uh, to know because it has been clearly seen in the things that God has made. So people have no, what's that word? Say it. Excuse. People have no excuse for the bad things they do. By the way, that would apply, because I get this question, that would apply to a person right here in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. It would 
apply to the person in Ethiopia. It would apply to the person in, in Southeast Asia. It would apply to the person in Iceland. It would apply to anybody because God has revealed himself through his creation so that anyone can see that. They may not understand the full implication. They may not understand about, or have heard about Jesus yet. That's why we have to go. But they understand enough to know and to search after this God. They knew God, but they did not give glory to God. In other words, they knew. They, could, they can see it. They didn't give glory to God or thank him. Their thanking became, thinking became useless. Their foolish minds were filled with darkness. They said they were wise, but they became fools because they chose to reject what was right in front of them. This evidence this, of, of the existence of God. So here's, again, notice how Peter ties, how it sounds so similar to what Paul says. But here's the mistakes Peter points out that they made. First, they failed to acknowledge God's power in the past. That was, that was the first fail that they made. They failed to acknowledge God's power in the past. And look what he says um, in verse 5 and 6. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago. But when they say this, when they say, oh, yeah, Jesus is coming back. Oh, yeah, that's what, y'all, that's what y'all say God has said, but we haven't seen him. And Peter says, when they say that, it escapes their notice that it was by the very word of God that the, that the earth was formed long ago. They're simply ignoring the fact that this evidence is here, and they're, and they're simply ignoring it. And that, they, that any person should be able to look and to see the power of God at work. And not only that, he doesn't even stop at that. He says in the... the uh, and long ago, the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. Peter says they, they, they fail to see God's power in the past. He created everything. Oh, and by the way, he's done this whole uh, clean house thing in the past. He's destroyed it all before. The last time by water. By the way, do you know that virtually every single uh, historical a record of a people group the world over, you find some uh, type of documentation, some type of story of, of a flood, a great flood that came. It's evidence. Peter's saying, here is the evidence. They can see it from the past. They know, they've heard this. They know what God did in the past. They know how he, he wiped the sin uh, from the earth one time before, and they just fail to see God's power in it. Second uh, fail. They fail to accept God's promise for the future. This is, this, is, this is hard. Look what he says. But the present heavens and earth by his word are being reserved for fire. Kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. This present heavens and earth by his word are being reserved for fire. Kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. They, they fail to recognize... God's promise for what's going to happen in the future. Because let's face it, if this comes down like this, and I'm not saying that as if I don't believe it, but it's going to put a serious crimp in, in somebody's party plans. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's, I, I'm going to live my life my way. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to do it, you know, what, and, and I have no expectation, no God I have to worry about, no anything. I just reject it all. I'm not going to believe it. You've been saying it, but I don't, I don't believe any of it. But But... But Peter says, here's, here's what they fail to recognize. God has promised, and notice the emphasis again on his word. That God has spoken his word. God has said, here's what's going to happen. By my word, I'm telling you that, that, that the, the earth 
is being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. God's going to do it all again, and they fail to see that. Um, and then, uh, uh, third, they fail to appreciate God's patience now. They just, they just, they just don't get it. They just don't get that this idea that, that God is delaying his coming. They fail to see God's patience. Now, look at uh, verse 8 and 9. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow about his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. It tells us uh, a couple of things. You know, people, uh, this whole thousand years, day, day, a thousand years. Uh, some people have tried to take that whole thing and try and figure out, is, is that some kind of uh, puzzle piece or some kind of clue that God's given us to, so that we can kind of have an idea of, of when uh, Jesus is going to return? One day is like a thousand years, a thousand years. Let's see, we've been here for how many thousand years? And, and some people have, have tried to see in that perhaps a clue or, or a puzzle. I, I, I think that what Peter says there simply means uh, two things. Uh, for us. One, it means that God's perspective is bigger than ours, ladies and gentlemen. God's perspective is so much bigger than ours. Listen to me. We operate in time, right? Especially here in America, we are driven by time, right? Our clocks, right? Our clocks. Every one of y'all going to know, your, your stomach will probably let you know, but everyone will let you know if I, if I run a little late today, right? We're driven by our clocks. I used to know this guy that pastored a church and People didn't like it. They thought his messages would get too long. And so there were several uh, guys in the church that set alarms on their watch uh, to go off uh, at exactly all the same time. It was, it was like 10 till 12 or something. And the alarms would go off. <laughs> and uh, according to Al, what he told me, he says, and every one of them would lift their arm or their arm with the watch straight up in the air and they just hold it there while they're going beep, 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 beep the whole time <laughs> until it stopped. I beg you, do not do that to me, okay? <laughs> so... How rude. Their, their perspective is, is, is so small. Your perspective is so... Can I, can I tell you this? Obviously, he's talking about the mockers, but this is a lesson for all of us to learn, ladies and gentlemen. How God does something and when God does something and, and, and why God does something, that is, that is locked in the secret of the Godhead. That, that's his decisions to make and not ours. And, and when we complain and we say, God, why don't you do something? Do you not, are you not aware of my situation down here? Just once, just once. When I do that, when I, I wish God would say, I wish he'd just speak out loud. Oh, what? I, I didn't even realize. It just blow me away, you know. God's perspective is so much bigger than ours. Our perspective, right? Our perspective is right here, right now, this little world that I live in, right? That you live in. God operates, obviously God operates in time. He, he came and spent time, lived among us. He died at exactly the right time for us. He'll come back at exactly the right time. But God is not restricted by time. God operates outside of time. God sees the beginning just as easily as he sees the end. I know it's hard for us to wrap our minds around, but we, we just have to understand. Peter's simply saying, a day, a thousand years, that's irrelevant to God. His perspective is bigger than ours. And second, God's love is greater than ours. That's really getting to the meat of, of, of why he delays. Think about this. Even as they're mocking him for not returning, he's not returning 
to try and reach more people like him, like them. It, it, is, it is an astounding truth. It is amazing grace that God is extending to people. Instead of just putting an end to the whole thing, as, as uh, Peter writes, he says, the whole motivation for God doing this is because he is not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Now, I'll just, I'll just if y'all didn't know this, let you know my theology here. I, I believe that all means all, and that's all that all means. That God truly desires to reach all people. I understand not everybody's going to be saved. I understand plenty of people, the majority of people reject God's truth and God's uh, grace gift, but I believe it is God's desire that all would come to repentance. And so he delays his coming. I mean, let's face it, he's God, right? It's not like he's, you know, tied up doing something else that's keeping him from doing it. He's God. He can do this whenever he wants. And Peter says it's because he's not wishing, not willing for any to perish. Uh, Apostle Paul again wrote uh, something similar in 1 Timothy chapter 2. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Uh, by the way, that reminds me, we should, I don't care what your political persuasion is or whatever, however you voted or are going to vote or whatever else, you should be praying for those in, in leadership of us. You should be praying for our president. You should be praying for those uh, at the, the national level, the state level, all those kind of things. You should pray uh, that God would direct their, their hearts and their lives and their decisions. You should be praying for, for the, the new president that will come along uh, if we're still here in January, praying that God uh, would work in their heart and life as well. But he says, this is good and it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. He wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. It is the amazing patience of God. And they failed to realize that God wasn't, wasn't delaying his, his return because he hadn't gotten his act together yet. He was delaying his return because he desired to see people come into relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, all right. What time is it? Okay. Um, all right, we, we're not going to get through chapter 3 today. <laughs> I just, there's too much that we need to understand about the fundamentals of the followers. So, so we're going we're gonna to kind of hold it up right there just a moment. Whatever, uh, whoever, you, and I don't know where every person is. I don't know who every person who watches this message or whatever the case may be. Uh, but if, if you know someone or you found yourself, or maybe you're at that place where you're like, you know what, I just, this whole Jesus thing, God thing, Peter says in the last days, mockers will come and they will mock. They'll make fun. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you just have to understand it, it, it goes with the territory. It's just part of the process. I wrote in my pastor's perspective, uh, quoting the Apostle Paul Friday, I wrote, are, are you willing to be a fool for Christ? Thought a fool? Are you willing to be thought a fool for Christ's sake? People may mock, they may ridicule, but can I just encourage you to remind uh, people that God loves them in the face of whatever they say? Just say, listen, I, I understand. I understand this is, a, this is a punchline to you. This is a joke. This is funny. I understand that you think I'm ignorant. But I just want you to know that God loves you. And I love you too. And if I can do anything for you, I'd be happy to do it. Because this, this part where Peter says that God's not, not willing for any to perish. It's because God loves people. This, what we'll get to in the fundamentals, we'll get to this destruction of the earth and this burning up with fire and day of the Lord and all that kind of stuff. We'll, we'll get to that next week. But, but please don't think that it's something that, that God takes pleasure in, as, as it writes in the Old Testament, in the death of the wicked. He doesn't. So we shouldn't either. I know there's temptations there sometimes to say, oh yeah, okay, 
you're going to get yours, buddy. I, I know. We, I'm, I don't know. Maybe y'all haven't. I mean, y'all probably all have good hearts. My heart has thought that at times. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, we're going to see. Our hearts should be one with God that, the, that our desire would be for people to, to come to Christ and to love them in spite of how hard they may sound or what they may reject or all that kind of stuff. I've said this to people for years, and we'll close with this. I've said this to people for years. Um, I, I, I believe, as, as Peter writes earlier in his letter, that all of us always need to be ready to give every man an answer of the hope that's in us. Why do you believe what you believe? To defend that, uh, uh, the, the discipline of apologetics is based primarily on, on that verse, apologia, defense of why you believe. I, I believe that. I believe that. But in the end, I know this to be true, that no one is ever argued into the kingdom of God. People are only loved into the kingdom of God. I, I need to be able to say, hey, here's what I believe. Here's why I believe it. Here's, have you ever have you considered this, this empirical evidence for, for creation? Have you ever thought about this evidence for 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 tech, the text and the validity of the text. I, I need to be ready to, to defend what I believe and, and why I believe it. And by the way, if your answer to somebody like that is, well, I don't know, that's just what the preacher stood up there and said. Wrong. That's not. You need to be ready to give an answer of why you believe what you believe. But then uh, to, to recognize that in the end, it's not that argument that wins people to Christ. It may cause people to think. It may get people moving in the right direction. But in the end, it's the love that we extend to people. That's what makes a difference in their lives. That's what God is extending to these mockers. Even as they're mocking him, he's patiently waiting in the hope that some of them will come to Christ. How about you and me? Surely we can do the same thing with our coworkers, our neighbors, our family members, right? There have always been mockers, but as we draw nearer to the end, there will be an increase in those who think faith in Jesus Christ and his return is just a joke. But Peter makes it clear that the day will come when they won't be laughing anymore. As followers of Jesus, our heart's desire should be to try to see others come to faith in Jesus Christ. God is patiently waiting, delaying His return so that others can know Him. If we practice the fundamentals that Pastor Clay pointed out today, our lives will communicate a message to those around us that our God empowers us and gives us a life worth living. If you're a follower of Jesus, even if someone makes fun of you for your belief, remember that God is going to give us a new heaven and a new earth where we will spend eternity with Him. Sin and death will be a thing of the past. When will it be? Only God knows. But one thing is for sure, it will be well worth the wait. And that's no joke. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting. If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take 
to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice real. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where they will find what they're searching for. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. A new church for people like you. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.